Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. And a special shout out to Alder Grove CLCC. I trust you're having a wonderful Sunday. We're continuing on in our series that we've entitled Plot Twist. Didn't see that coming. I believe wholeheartedly that the disciples were constantly surprised by the things that Jesus said and did. Uh, remember that time when the disciples were in a boat with Jesus and there was a great storm and Jesus stands up and says, peace be still. And the storm abated and the disciples said, even the winds and the waves obey him. What manner of man is this? Remember the time when the disciples were in the room with Jesus and a sick person and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Wow, that, that, who, who can forgive sins? That's amazing. And particularly, uh, think about the time when the disciples were outside that tomb and Lazarus was inside and Jesus shouts in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Man, that must have made the disciples' heads spin around, their jaws dropped to the ground. Wow, amazing. And last week, we, we learned how Jesus talked about the Father in the story of the prodigal son and, and how shocking that was to describe God the Father that way. Well, the way Jesus described the kingdom of God, well, they didn't see that coming either. Imagine belonging to a religious group whose practices dated back thousands of years. The, the average Jewish person, they didn't convert to Judaism. It wasn't as if they became teenagers and decided to begin to practice Judaism. It wasn't as if they came to, to, to know God in their early adulthood or their middle years. From their birth, they were brought up as uh, uh, people of God, as being Jewish people. And not only that, it, it's not something that, that you practice personally. It's something that your parents practice, your siblings practice, and your parents' parents, and your parents' parents' parents, and your parents' 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 practice. You did the same thing the same way year after year after year. You did the same thing on the Sabbath. You washed your hands the same way. You prepared your meals the same way. You memorized the same scripture verses for as long as you can remember. Back thousands of years, this had been going on. After all, this is the way it was done. This is what the people of God did. Well, Jesus comes along and he shocks them. He talks about the kingdom of God in ways that they, they never really thought of before. The kingdom of God is the realm over which Jesus is Lord. Everyone and everything who are subject to his rule are part of his kingdom. And there's also the kingdom of this world. The New Testament talks a lot about the kingdom of God. In fact, the single subject most often referenced in the New Testament and in Jesus' teaching is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of this world, which is an antagonism to the kingdom of God. The purpose of the kingdom of God is that it's intended to rescue the world. 
Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, which is sung in the Handel's Messiah. Maybe this is familiar to you. The kingdoms of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. The song goes on. Perhaps you're familiar with it. You see, the purpose of the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God for, is for, is to rescue the world from darkness, to bring it into the light. And I think that's a very, very important question to ask. What is the kingdom of God for? Before we decide how might the kingdom of God be used or what do we do with the kingdom of God? Get illustrated this way. If you find a screw on your kitchen floor, you pick it up, and, and, and if your first question isn't what it's for, and it's simply what it's used for, you look at it, and, and I've done this before, and you look at it and you say, I wonder where that came from. I wonder what this is used for. And you can't think of any particular use for it, and so you throw it away. But then the next time you bring out your vacuum, the wheel falls off, and you go, oh, <laughs> that's what that screw is for. You see, the most important question to ask of anything is, what's it for? It's only after you un understand what it's for can you then understand how it should be used. I think too often we ask that second question, how do I use this before we really understand what it's for? Well, the kingdom of God is for the rescue of the world. The kingdom of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, spreads, and it brings people into harmony with the rule of Jesus Christ. In order to go everywhere, into every culture, into every family group, to uh, go up into uh, the highest, uh, the most northern reaches of Canada, to go into Peru, to go into Russia. The kingdom of God changes and adapts and meets different cultures exactly uh, where they need to be met. There's adaptation and there's flex in the kingdom of God because of the creativity of the Holy Spirit. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, Jesus reveals two surprises about the kingdom of God. First of all, he says that the raw material of the kingdom was sinners. <laughs> this was shocking. This was surprising. People thought that the kingdom of God or the rule of God or the people of God were made up of good people who just became a little bit better when they came into the kingdom. Not so. What Jesus is telling us and the story of Levi proves this in, the, in chapter 5. Levi was a notorious sinner. And he's the kind of person that's reached by the kingdom of God, who can be brought into the kingdom of God and then demonstrate the rule. And Jesus wasn't afraid to hang around with people like that because he saw them as just the right kind of people to convert and become part of the kingdom. Secondly, in chapter 5, Jesus explains that the kingdom is more like a wedding than a funeral. Judaism was a very serious religion. And you had to do everything just exactly right. And there was a lot of fasting. There was a lot of, of, of this, this tendency to, to uh, go around with a sad face and, and appear as if you're very, very serious. And, and Jesus said that it's, it's not like a funeral at all. The kingdom of God is more like a wedding. It's more like a party. There will be a time for fasting, but not now, Jesus says. He then goes on in chapter 5 to summarize his ideas about the kingdom of God with a parable. This is verses 36 to 39. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine 
will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the surprising kingdom of God that Jesus describes. Thank you, Father, that, that uh, your kingdom is expanding. Your kingdom is reaching people all over the world today because of the surprising innovations of your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to see the new and to rejoice with the new. In your name we pray. Amen. So Jesus uses a parable to make his point that you have to be very careful about mixing new and old. The, the purpose of the kingdom, which is to rescue the world, to, to drive back the kingdom of darkness and bring the kingdom of light. The purpose is, is such that if you want to be involved, you have to recognize that something new is taking place. He says, if you want to patch an old garment, don't take the patch out of a new garment. He says, there's two problems with that strategy. First of all, you, you will have ruined the new garment because now there's a big hole in it because you've taken a patch out. And secondly, the new patch won't match the old clothing. And uh, if you've ever done anything like that, you notice if you wash it or if it gets wet, the old and new material will shrink uh, at different uh, rates and it'll cause the old garment to rip. So it's, it's, it's not a good idea to take a new patch and put it on an old piece of clothing. And then he also says, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Old wineskins don't have any stretch left because the fermentation uh, in, the, in the wine, it has stretched the wineskins to its maximum capacity. And there's two problems if you put new wine in, in old wineskins. First of all, you'll break the old wineskins. And secondly, you'll lose the new wine. And you see, Jesus was doing something new. Uh, his understanding of the kingdom of God, his explanation of how to know the Father, his explanation of how to become the people of God is, is something which is radically different from the understanding of the Jewish people of his day. Jesus is doing something new. The old stodgy laws and religious posturing of Judaism were not compatible. See, the way the Jews expressed the kingdom of God was old. It was damaged. And, and Jesus wasn't interested in patching Judaism. It would be incompatible and it would be destructive. Jesus is doing something altogether new. And this new relationship requires new expressions of faith. <laughs> we, we see this particularly in terms of the temple. The temple was the center of the Jewish religion, of the Jewish faith. This is where uh, they worshiped. This is where they made their sacrifices. This is where they had their celebrations. And Jesus said that in, by 70 AD, in, in that generation, not one stone would be left upon another. And of course, around 70 AD, it was completely destroyed. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain on the temple was torn in two, and the curtain that separated the holiest of holies from the holy place. And so Jesus is indicating, and, and history tells us, that, that that old way of being the kingdom of God, that old way of, of knowing the Father was going to pass, and this new way of understanding who God was and understanding the kingdom was going to come in refreshing ways. The parable also contains a warning. I don't notice you notice, notice this or not. I didn't notice this at first. But basically it says, 
People like old wine better than new wine. This is verse 39. It says, And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. Now, I, I think that's, that's pretty understandable, that old wine tastes better than new wine uh, after it has sat for a while, and usually that's, that's the case. But in this parable, the point that Jesus is making is that there is new wine, and the new wine is better than the old wine. The problem is that many people resist the change. They like the old wine better than the new wine. The Pharisees like the old wine better than the new wine of the spirit that Jesus is bringing, better than the new ways of doing things. <laughs> uh, the church always resists change, doesn't it? Um, perhaps the eight most common words in some churches are, Pastor, we've never done it that way before. Well, not in our church, but I've heard that happens in other churches. You see, new wine, often the symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, needs new wineskins. It needs new containers. Do you remember the wedding in Cana of Galilee? In the wedding of Cana of Galilee, the, the stone jars which were used for water, for washing and ritual purification of Jews, which would be used throughout the meal and throughout the festivities of the week of the celebration, of the wedding celebration. Jesus turned that water into wine. In other words, no, no longer was it accessible to go and, and wash, to, to do the old Jewish uh, traditions, but, but rather that water had been turned to wine. And when the manager of the feast tasted the wine, he said the new wine is better than the previous wine. And so the, the, I think the point being made in that very first wedding, uh, very first miracle of Jesus at Cana, is in fact that the new wine is better. And no one having drunk old wine prefers the new wine. And Jesus is basically opposing that with his parable and saying, no, hold it. The new wine is better. New wine the symbol of the Holy Spirit, needs the new wineskins. And we see that in the wedding of Cana of Galilee. If you'll think back, and if you're perhaps as old as I am, you'll, you'll remember that up until the 1960s, church architect, architecture was, was completely standardized, as was church music, as was church staff. And, and I, I can picture uh, just about every evangelical church, there's some, some of them still around, uh, that existed uh, prior to the 19, late 1960s. And it was, a, it was a, a building that had a, a bell tower or a steeple on it, and it had a, a two-slope roof. And when you walk into the lobby, the nursery would be on your right, and the uh, washroom's on the left, or vice versa. And then you'd walk into the, the gathering area, the main the sanctuary, and there'd be wooden pews uh, on either side, and there'd be stained glass windows. And up at the front, there'd be a pulpit, and there'd be a platform, and on the front walls there'd be a little plaque, and on that little plaque would be the hymns that were to be sung that Sunday. And maybe on the other side there would be another plaque with the Sunday school offering from this last week, or the money given to missions. And if just about every church in North America looked exactly like that. Perhaps you've seen some churches that are like that today. Whenever I walk in to those old buildings, it just brings back so many members. But things radically changed after the 1960s with the outpouring of the charismatic renewal and the revival of the church. I remember going to, perhaps some of you are old enough and from this area, I remember going to St. Margaret's Church, which was an Anglican church in Vancouver during that era. 
And it was so surprising for an Anglican church. You walk in and there were people in jeans and men with long hair. And it was so crowded. People were sitting in the aisles on the floor and people were sitting up on the, in the altar. And, and everybody was taking notes during the sermon. I mean, this, this was so different from, from classic uh, evangelicalism. But it was an indication of new structure and new wine and the outpouring of the Spirit during that era. Wow, churches changed. The structure of churches changed. Multi-purpose buildings were, were born. Musical instruments, new musical instruments. Up until the 1960s, in every evangelical church, there was an organ and a piano. All of a sudden, drums appeared and guitars appeared and, and uh, backup singers appeared and all that. And church staff changed. All of these things changed because new wineskins were necessary for the new wine. With renewal came new structures. The kingdom of God is refreshed with the new wine of the Spirit. Structures change to contain them. Well, you can't make wine without squishing a few grapes. <laughs> change is hard. The temple was destroyed, after all. Uh, those old buildings uh, that were part of evangelicalism, uh, before the renewal, be before the charismatic renewal, they, they went into disrepair. Unfortunately, many are sold. Many of them have become homes. The old wineskins couldn't contain the new wine. There was grief. There was confusion. There was loss. There was instability. All those things are part of that squishing of the grapes before the new wine could be made. The trauma, the tribulation comes before new wine. Could it be that the tribulation, the trauma in your current circumstances right now could it be that that's preparing you for something new? Could that simply be the precursor of new wine that God wants to bring into your life? And how about the turbulence of our times? I think we're living through very difficult times these days, not only economically, but socially and, and worldwide and in terms of war and all the rest of it. Could this be the squishing of the grapes? Could this be the time that's just preparing for the new wine to come? I pray so. The Holy Spirit works in refreshing ways. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Look up. God is faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The surprising kingdom of God. God is always about doing new things. This is what the kingdom of God is like. An unchanging God uses ever-changing methods to build his kingdom. New wineskins are needed in our generation to reach Generation X, Generation Z, Millennials, digital Christians. Let's pray that the Lord would enable us to receive the new wine of the Spirit, to create new wineskins, so that we would be able to, well, to be the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would enable us as your people, as the people of your kingdom, to be open 
for what your Holy Spirit is doing and will do in our lives. We understand that at times you allow pain and difficulties and challenges in our lives, just like the grapes have to be squished before new wine can be made. But out of that, Lord, you you work. You work your ways in our lives, and it is good. We thank you that you're a restoring God and that you use the pains and the difficulties and the traumas of our lives to create new things. Lord, help us as your people to discover and to be open to new ways to reach people, people who um, perhaps have turned away or people who have never really heard, never really understood. Help us, Lord, as, as, as your servants, as your kingdom people to recognize, as Jesus told us, that you're always up to something new. In your name we pray. Amen. Tim Elmore recently said, the gap between generations became wider as the screens in our life went from public to private. You know what he was talking about? He's talking about, you know, uh, 30 or 40 years ago, uh, we would all gather around in the living room of our homes and we'd watch the same television program. In fact, some of those old TV programs uh, used to have like 80% uh, of the American population watching the same program at the same time. Now, because everyone has their private screen, very few people are learning exactly the same thing at the same time. And, and this has create, uh, uh, increased the generation gap, uh, 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 created a loss of community, a loss of belonging, a loss of togetherness, because we're all separate, learning different things at different times. And, and I think this is, this is causing quite a challenge uh, in terms of how do we reach people with the gospel, because very few people are hearing the same thing at the same time. I think that this is creating all kinds of opportunities as well for the Holy Spirit to help the church to reach people in new ways. I think we need to pray for the Lord of the harvest, not only that he'd send out workers, but he'd send us out with creativity to reach the digital generation, to reach people who, who have been um, separated or perhaps even uh, broken because of the fragmentation of our lives today. Let's pray that together. Let's keep that in mind as we go forward and, and watch for the new wine of the Spirit in our lives. Our doxology is from Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 1030. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 830, 10, and 1130. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca slash give. See you later.